Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the JMO Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Michaels. Our guest this episode, we have TJ Erickson from Park Rapids, Minnesota, back on the show. We've had TJ on before. Uh, In the fishing industry, TJ creates some of the best walleye fishing, multi-species, really, uh, uh, YouTube content. Very educational. Some of my absolute favorites. So I always want to highlight that. Listen to this podcast. Take all the education. Take all the learning you can from TJ right here. And then head over to YouTube and look up his YouTube channel if you haven't already because it's it's just loaded with great stuff. I definitely want to promote that. In this particular interview, though, uh, we shine a little bit of light on some lake trout opportunities right away that that TJ's been doing uh, the last handful of years. Produced, again, some great content recently, and he kind of breaks that down uh, uh, a little bit for us and gives us some tips and tricks to just kind of highlight that fishing opportunity. But then most of this conversation is Lake of the Woods walleye related. Uh, TJ grew up fishing Lake of the Woods. He's got such a great, you know, big picture breakdown of Lake of the Woods, just breaking it down, how it fishes in certain sections of the lake and just really gives a great synopsis there. But then, uh, you know, on some recent trips, just just some recent data from this particular year uh, up in the Northwest Angle, which sounds like a ton of fun. I don't think I've had a Lake of the Woods walleye podcast that really highlighted that northern region of Lake of the Woods, you know, stateside anyways. And, uh, you know, it's just really, really fun. TJ's got great recommendations, great stories, uh, just great experience all around. And I always take away a ton of great information from TJ every time I get a chance to talk to him. So uh, his time is greatly appreciated. This is no different. A great conversation about Lake of the Woods, walleyes with TJ Erickson. Let's get to it. This podcast is brought to you by Northland Fishing Tackle. Northland is a brand you can trust. Since the beginning, they've been creating innovative lure designs made of high-quality components. Most importantly, when you buy fishing tackle that says Northland on the package, you can rest assured it is designed for one thing and one thing only, and that is catching fish. To check out more of what they got, head to their website, northlandtackle.com. That link is in the description of this podcast. This episode of the JBO Podcast is brought to you by Shields. Shields is a one-stop shop retailer with all your outdoor needs covered. Shields has all the top brands on inventory in every department and a knowledgeable staff known for great service. With over 30 locations across the country, you can find the nearest store by going online to shields.com. If you can't get to a store, rest assured all their best deals are online as well. So once again, head to shields.com for more detailed information. That link is in the description of this podcast. If you have any fishing memory or fish that you would like to commemorate with a replica or you have questions about getting fish replicas done, reach out to Jamie Rizavi from Rizavi Taxidermy Studio in New Rockford, North Dakota. Jamie and his crew do next level work here at the JMO headquarters. We are blessed to have so many replicas made by Jamie. Reach out. You can find them on social media or online at RizaviTaxidermyStudio.com. The link is in the description of this podcast think that's the case so we're rolling here um i had you on last fall tj uh or or i think it was fall or whatever it it wasn't ice season so um this ice season very cool i've had some really fun and cool conversations this year um and with you having you on i want to talk about this year the places you've been and do some recap on what you've been doing um i've got a couple of things that i definitely want to touch on uh first starters you just came out with some lake trout 
content, your lake trout videos. Head to TJ's Guide Service on YouTube and watch all these. I kind of want to get you to maybe touch on those here um, because lake trout, obviously, you and I share that passion. Uh, anytime I get a chance to even give a little bit of love to some lake trout, good ice fishing lake trout opportunities, I always want to. So can I get a little bit of a synopsis? Can you give me sort of an address to you know where you were and kind of the rundown and some of your history up there and just kind of what uh, what that fun opportunity is? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again for having me on. Always, always fun chatting, fishing with you. Um, and actually, literally right before I hopped on here, I was, I don't know if I was on YouTube or social media or whatnot, but I saw that you had just posted a lake trout video, right? From yeah. Fort Peck. Yeah. And I yeah. was like, oh man. So that is literally right on my watch list after we get done here is to watch that one because I, any lake trout content I can consume, I just love it. But um, yeah, I was just back up on, I try to do at least one, maybe two trips a year up to the Whitefish Bay area of Lake of the Woods, you know, up in Sioux Narrows. And I, this year I'm only going to do one trip. Um, and I've only been doing this for the last two or three years, but I have absolutely fallen in love with lake trout. And I know you said we share that passion and I feel like anybody that's ever ice fished for lake trout and had a little bit of success probably shares that passion Yeah. because seeing these fish chase on the live scope, I'm not kidding you. It's like, or on a flasher or on anything, or even just not even using electronics and just feeling these things hit. It is so addicting. I can literally go the first day we were up. I literally went all day without catching a fish. Maybe had a couple chase, you know, the other guys were catching fish. It just wasn't my day. And I caught one on that last little bit and it wasn't even that big, but she's seeing that thing come in from like 20 feet out and just absolutely dart in. And I just couldn't even keep it away from it and just crush. It was so addicting. It was like, yep, this whole day was worth it. Even though I just got one smaller fish. So yeah, that's where I just was. Um, honestly, if I could, as much as I love walleyes, so I'm, don't get me wrong, I love my walleyes, but if I could just lake trout fish all winter long through the ice, I would be very tempted to because the few trips that I get to do up in that neck of the woods, and honestly, I would love, like you just got to Fort Peck, I would love to go there, love to get up north to some of those great Canadian lakes up there. That is just any lake trout content or trips that I can do is awesome. And so, yeah, I just got back from there, and it's incredible. I mean, the scenery chasing those fish um, when you can only catch, you know, a fish or two and you're happy, you know, something special about that. So yeah, I, I truly love lake trout and could easily do that all winter long. That lake trout deal is like an absolute drug. Um, but watching your videos, I haven't watched them all yet. Uh, to be honest, I can't wait to get on to like you, man, if, so, if somebody shows me a thumbnail uh, of lake trout, I'm on it. I did go on a lake trout trip myself recently. You're right. Um, but, um, what's the recipe for a success up there, man? Like, um, tell me a little bit about, uh, you know, kind of how far you're running. What do some of the spots look like? What's the, what's kind of the rundown? What's kind of the A's, B's and C's of, um, of finding and catching some lake trout up there. Yeah. It's something that I've been, you know, this is probably five years ago that I started fishing lake trout through the ice. And I, I mean, anything that I do, I go hundred percent. So I'm never just going to go out and just kind of like halfway do something. And so I put a ton of time and when we're up there, I'm fishing before it gets light. I'm fishing and I wait till after it gets dark. Like I'm putting every second I can out there. Um, and especially for me, like, yeah, there's probably a lot of people that I could talk to or whatnot and get some good insight, but there's something 
so rewarding about going out and figuring some things out. And obviously there's some conversations that I've had with some good buddies or people, other people at Lake Trout Fish that have really helped to influence some of those decisions. Um, but right away we were doing a lot of the typical Lake Trout thing um, where we were catching or we were fishing, you know, anywhere in that 40, even down to a hundred foot range, um, you know, fishing your typical steep breaks. And we were having some success. We weren't catching a lot of size. And now again, this is something that's very, you know, relative to the body of water. You were just up on, uh, over on Fort Peck and the average size is higher. You know, I feel like maybe you, you can correct me on this, but on Fort Peck, you're not going to get, you know, a ton of the like 40 plus inchers, but right. you're not going to get a, a bunch of like two pounders. Right. Um, the average size is in that, you know, probably what, 28 to 35 inch. Is that somewhat accurate? Maybe even yeah. bigger? Yeah. 35 might be even big out there too. Like, yep. uh, but yeah, like, like the amount of eight to 12 pounders, you know, like that's what Fort Peck really is. And, and, and you, and you can get numbers of that. So it's like really fun. Yeah. And I would say, so with Lake in the Woods, from my experience, and again, this isn't something on the Lake Trout side of things that I've spent 50 years doing, you know, um, I've spent a considerable amount of time over the last five years. And early on, we were fishing a little bit deeper. We were having maybe a little better numbers, but a little smaller size, you know, maybe in that 20 to 26 inch range was kind of some of the fish we were catching every once in a while, something in the upper twenties. And so we started doing these probably last three, four years after a few conversations with people, but also just a little bit of our own experience is fishing shallower. I mean, I don't think on this trip, we hardly targeted deeper than 40 feet. Um, a lot of what we were targeting was that 20 to 40 foot range. And, you know, for me, I'm a structure fisherman. And so I always want to fish structure, but we actually had to go a little bit away from that. A couple of our best spots over the last two or three years that have produced both the biggest numbers and the size is kind of like these 25, maybe a little shallower to about 35 foot flats. You know, maybe it's like between two islands. Uh, maybe there's maybe between two humps, sometimes even on these bigger pieces of structure where there's multiple humps in this big congregation of stuff. Uh, but these big flats, especially between two islands where there's maybe deep water on one side or another side, those have been killer for us. And for, bo for both size and numbers, like I said, and a big thing what you're looking for is looking for bait. Um, interestingly enough, the best spot that I saw that had just piles of bait, I only caught one trout of, and one of the areas that I caught more fish on didn't have bait. But I know that that was having bait at different times of the day. Um, so those are a few things that we were looking for that we really keyed in on is fishing shallower to kind of target some of the bigger fish. And talking to a few more people, it does sound like that's a pretty common thing um, up there. I don't think a lot of people are doing it. I think a lot of people are still fishing a little bit deeper just because that's your more better numbers and that's more common for lake trout. Um, but yeah, less than 40 feet on these flats, on some of these congregation of humps with like saddles in between them some of that kind of stuff has really kind of been producing for us and yeah it's so interesting you know up there um no bait pinch barbs just a little different maybe feel even watching some of the guys up in canada you know throwing a big dead bait on the bottom that's like the deal you know you're gonna catch your biggest lake trout doing that and don't get me wrong i would love to catch a 40 42 44 inch lake trout but there's something to be said about these fish absolutely chasing it not just laying a dead bait on the bottom but watching these fish come in, there's in my last video, one of these fish, you could see it from like 50 feet out. I was watching on the live scope and it's swimming towards me because there's some bait around. And then all of a sudden it got to be about 20 feet and you can just see this thing's mood change. And I just start reeling and this thing comes straight up for it, chases it all the way up, swings and misses three times and then just crushes it eventually. And that is something that like, don't get me wrong. 
I'd love to catch a giant lake trail, but seeing that on the live scope and watching that chase, so much fun. Yeah. Yeah, dude, they can just do things that most other species that we're, that we chase after just don't do. They are just a different category of predator and so much fun. So yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad we were able to give some love there, but you know, to be totally honest, I want to caption this Lake of the Woods walleyes. I'm just going to throw that out there. And so I'm going to want to take a hard pivot here into walleyes. And um, I know you got some content coming down the pipe here, some Lake of the Woods walleyes. Um, you were recently up there fishing. I kind of want to dig into Lake of the Woods, maybe not so specifically your videos, um, you know, uh, because again, I do want I do want to get people to go to your, if the best thing that could happen to this, people go to your youtube channel because so much informational stuff there um but i want to kind of get a lake of the woods walleye conversation going here because this year being kind of weird where there's you know like right now big portions of the midwest especially if you're kind of getting in the southern end um the ice is garbage uh you got to get north uh to find decent ice and, um, you know, and I think for a lot of people might be thinking if they live close to where some ice is bad, they might be thinking the ice season is over. But the reality is there's some places that have pretty good ice and are going to have a full season here. And Lake of the Woods, I feel like, is one of them. So I want to kind of I want to pivot into that. That That's my transition is to um, I want to ask you kind of the conditions up there. You know, you were up there recently um, you know, how was it, you know, as far as, you know, what was the, what were the conditions like, how much ice was up there, maybe a little bit about the fishing. Um, and, uh, and we'll just kind of get into it that way. I have some more questions, but I just want to get into it that way. What did you see up there? Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting. Like you said, I know for myself, even in Park Rapids, I'm only, you know, three hours South, but even if you get further South towards the cities or whatnot, I am even just looking around, you know, here we might get some cold, some snow tonight. But I'm looking around today, it was 50 degrees or whatever. And my, I'm not going to lie, I'm thinking like, well, the ice season's over. You know, it's just when you start to feel that your, your body naturally starts to recognize like, oh, it's April, you know, yeah. and you're starting to think towards open water, towards whatever. But I, I will say, give, this is just a word of advice to everyone is like, one, it, you never know what's going to happen. It's still Minnesota for, you know, or the upper Midwest. You never know what's going to change. But there's still a lot of good ice up there. Um, you know, we were, I was fishing, I would say, anywhere from 15 at the minimum inches of ice. I don't know, maybe not even 15, probably closer to maybe 20, 20 to 25 inches of ice. Um, on, and that's up in the Northwest Angle, which typically has a little bit less ice, um, you know, with some of the current or some of the little bit deeper water at times. Um, but we, we were seeing a ton of ice um, up there. There was vehicles driving around you know it's kind of funny a lot of the resorts a lot of some of the other people that were up there they're like oh this is awesome because you know most years we can't drive a pickup here most years we can't get our you know little geo trackers or whatever we're having to bring the big bombardiers we're saving a bunch of gas and so as far as travel conditions goes it was awesome now specifically up in the northwest angle no matter where you're traveling you have to be so very careful because in between some of the islands that kind of stuff there's already been so many fatalities so many things going on with ice so with that being said, all the ice, especially on the north side like that, up in the islands, be careful. Um, but for what I saw, so this, we took snowmobiles up there. We put in at Warroad, took the snowmobile trail up there. And, you know, we, there was enough snow to snowmobile. We took our snowmobiles. Uh, my brother's snowmobile wasn't even fan-cooled. And he was able to take it all the way up there. 
and there's enough snow to, especially on the trail, to get around. You know, some of the other areas, depending on how much the wind is blown, um, there might not be quite as much snow. And so there was very good travel conditions. Most of the areas that we went, we were able to pretty much go wherever. There's always going to be some breakers, so be very careful, especially when there's wind, and especially with a little bit thinner ice. You know, normally we have three feet of ice right now, so down to maybe two feet of ice, things are a little different. Um, so just be careful around breakers. My suggestion is still to do as best as you can to stay on areas that you're familiar or stay on some state trails, that kind of stuff. Um, but with that being said, there's a lot of fishable ice left up there. And, you know, just enough snow for snowmobiles, but still you can pretty much drive around um, wherever you want with, without an issue. So as far as ice conditions go, great. The fishing was great. Um, you know, we were up there. I was up there. I only fished a day and a half, to be honest. Um, my, the rest of my family was up there. I think they were up there they fished three and a half days and their first three days was very good the last day that we fished that was my one full day the bite was just tough um all around but for the majority of what we had we had very good fishing my first half day that i got there the bite was awesome um had really good luck so there's still good fishing to be had up there still good ice and you know like i said i always hesitate when people say like well the ice season's done and i was like well usually there are people further south and where I'm at and yeah, for down there, ice season is probably done, but if you're still looking to get out and, you know, especially guys that haven't been able to use an ice castle a lot, you know, red's been pretty, pretty safe ice and you can still go chase crappies out there, but you're not going to be able to chase walleyes, obviously. The Lake of the Woods is that area right now where you can still go and have some incredible walleye fishing. Some of the best walleye fishing on Lake of the Woods is done in March and then being able to go and target those big pike as well. It's yeah. I always tell myself, we always go in February, um, and I always tell myself, I should do this trip in March when the walleye fishing is closed around here and I can go and chase those big pike and walleyes because it's honestly some of the best fishing that I've had throughout my life is in March. This episode of the Jable Podcast is brought to you by Shields. Shields is a one-stop shop retailer with all your outdoor needs covered. Shields has all the top brands on inventory in every department and a knowledgeable staff known for great service. With over 30 locations across the country, you can find the nearest store by going online to shields.com. If you can't get to a store, rest assured all their best deals are online as well. So once again, head to shields.com for more detailed information. That link is in the description of this podcast. If you have any fishing memory or a fish that you would like to commemorate, with a replica or you have questions about getting fish replicas done reach out to jamie rizzavi from rizzavi taxidermy studio in new rockford north dakota jamie and his crew do next level work here at the jmo headquarters we are blessed to have so many replicas made by jamie reach out you can find them on social media or online at rizzavi taxidermy studio.com the link is in the description of this podcast this podcast is brought to you by northland fishing tackle Northland is a brand you can trust. Since the beginning, they've been creating innovative lure designs made of high-quality components. Most importantly, when you buy fishing tackle that says Northland on the package, you can rest assured it is designed for one thing and one thing only, and that is catching fish. To check out more of what they got, head to their website, northlandtackle.com. That link is in the description of this podcast. Yeah, and then this year we're having like March weather all year long. So, uh, yeah. you know, so uh, yeah, and um, 
but tell me about the fishing specifically up there in the Northwest Angle. I, I kind of want to centralize this conversation on that, you know, that, you know, where you were, but, but more general, I mean, you know, like you probably experienced a few conditions. I'd love to have you go into that, but even just more big picture conversation about what it's like up there, what the fishing is like, like up there, you know, like if you trying to help somebody that's maybe never been to that part of Lake of the Woods or just Lake of the Woods altogether, um, you know, getting up in that Northwest angle, what's it like up there? Yeah. And just for reference, I'm just going to quick do a rundown of like what I generalize Lake of the Woods as just so people can have a clearer picture. Cause you know, for me, when I hear maybe Fort Peck or hear some of these other bodies of water that are big like that, I am like, what, where do you even start? And so just for a little help for everyone, you know, I kind of, break Lake of the Woods into four parts. You have the west side. That's like the War Road, Spring Steel, Swift Ditch area. Um, that There's that area that has a lot of flats, um, a little bit shallower flats than the rest of the lake, but flats with some reefs also mixed in, you know, Five Mile Reef and some of those reefs mixed in over there. As you move a little bit further east, it kind of comes out to these points. Um, so that's kind of one side of it. Get into the middle on the south side. Now this is, again, the American side on the south you have kind of the central area, which is what I consider, at least that's like Long Point, Rocky Point. And that is where you have a lot more reefs. There's some of the deeper water in that area too, you know, 35, 36 feet. Um, and that has a ton of structure, you know, around Gull Rock, around some of those reefs and towards Long Point as well. A lot of structure over there. I love fishing that area because I'm a structure fisherman through and through. Um, so I love that. And as you start to head further east, now you go down the shoreline from Long Point and you start hitting, you know, Zipple Bay, you hit Morris, you hit Four Mile Bay. And as you get further east that direction, that's getting closer to that kind of the that side and towards the border there. So there's the Rainy River that runs in on that far east side on the American side, runs in right north of Bedette there. Um, and that's where it runs into Four Mile Bay and then out the gap out by Pine Island. You know, that's an island you hear a lot about. A lot of those resorts, maybe it's Adrian's or Wigwam or some of those resorts that their um, roads go over Pine Island or around Pine Island. And that's kind of where you get into the bulk of Lake of the Woods fishing on that side. It's these kind of tapering flats, you know, going anywhere from 17 out to 34 feet. And it just tapers and it can go miles. You know, see here people, it's such an interesting thing. You know, I coming from the Park Rapids area right now, obviously I grew up on Lake of the Woods and grew up fishing that area. But now I'm thinking, you know, these lakes are relatively small and I'm hearing people, how far are you driving out? Oh, I'm driving seven miles out on, you know, out of Pine Island. And I'm just thinking seven miles, like I get to seven different lakes in seven miles. Yeah. And so it's, it's a really unique area. So that's kind of the east side of Lake of the Woods is more of those flats, those kind of, and just finding the right depth. And now you head north. So there's like Garden Island. That's kind of what I consider the start of the Northwest Angle. And you head further north. And this is like that very tip of Minnesota. Um, and there's a couple different ways to get up there. That's the other really unique part about this is the North of Sango. There's one, you can get up there by snowmobile, either putting in a bidet. They have state snowmobile trailers, trails. I believe it's the angle North of Sango edge riders club that stake all the trails. They do a phenomenal job. Even in a year like this, they had stake trails all the way up and they groom them. Truthfully, it's, we would not snowmobile up there if it wasn't for them. Um, but so you can snowmobile out of there. I believe you can snowmobile out of Rocky Point area still. And we go out of Warro typically. So you can snowmobile all the way up there. It's about, for us out of Warro, it's about 45 to 50 mile snowmobile ride. So, you know, that's half the fun, half the adventure being able to snowmobile up there. But you can also get there with a vehicle as well. Even though they're on these islands, they have all these roads plowed. And so it's a little bit goofy because you have to actually go up um, through the border. You know, a lot of times 
you go, you're going up through world or something like that. And then you kind of have to, so you're in Canada for a little while, and then you have to go check back into the United States up at Angle Inlet there. Excuse me. So they have, it's called uh, Jim's Corner. There's this little phone booth, phone booth essentially. And you call in and you say, hey, we're checking in at Jim's Corner and they get all your license and your information. And um, it's, it's kind of a unique thing. And so you go into Canada just for a little bit, then you cross back into the American side. So then once you check in, you're good to go. The road goes right on the lake and you can drive. There's even road signs out there on the lake. What so you can see, am I going to Flag Island? I'm going to Oak Island. Where am I going? Um, so that's really kind of cool and kind of funny story on the backside of things. When I was growing up, we used to go up on the Canadian side uh, for crappies, some of those big crappies. And so we'd have to leave Roseau, where I grew up, early in the morning, drive into Canada, check into Canada, check back into the United States at the phone booth. And we have to go to one more phone booth and check in again to get back up into Canada. So we have to check in three different times to go do this. It was kind of an adventure. Uh, but those are your two ways to get up to the Northwest Angle. You know, there's a ton of resorts on those islands and even right at the angle there. A lot of different resorts and a lot of them honestly have roads plowed right to them and they have restaurants and they have all everything that you can imagine. You know, it's kind of crazy to think how far things have come. I share stories of my dad. You know, they've been going up there for years and years and they used to go to some of these resorts when they first started and they had like one here in this whole cabin and that was a lodge and everything and they're all huddled around it trying to sleep and whatnot so it's kind of funny hearing those stories i know they have like live bands playing at these places so it's it's very cool to see how much it's grown and a lot of people even just go up there to snowmobile and eat at the restaurants and that kind of thing um so yeah that's that's kind of where we at and now talking fishing side of things i love going up there um because it just you just get away a little bit more you know the the longer that i fish lake of the woods you know growing up Lake of the Woods has always gotten hit pretty hard, but obviously in the last five, 10 years with the roads and the ice castles and all of that, the resorts spreading out, it's gotten so busy. I mean, it's, it's a lot of people um, and a lot of people are honestly catching fish, you know, so it's pretty hard to complain that people are coming up because, you know, I understand why people are doing it. Some place you can get ice castles, you know, sometimes when red is slushy and it's tough to get around but lake of the woods is good you know so it draws people up there sometimes it's vice versa um but it's definitely gotten busier but when you get up in the northwest angle you are able to escape just a little bit honestly a lot of the stuff that i fish there's rarely people fishing it which is awesome um just because one i'm on a snowmobile so i can get places that maybe some other people can't um but two it's just a little more hassle to get up there with a the snowmobile or drive through canada you know it adds an hour or two hours maybe depending on what what you're doing and so getting up to the north of Sango, there's a little bit of the same stuff it's kind of a combination you know there's some of the rocks there's some of the reefs but there's also some of the flats mixed in and every year that we've been up there it's a little bit different story you know a lot of times it's easy to get into like hey i'm gonna go fish my same three spots and we're always gonna catch fish and which you could definitely do that for me, I like to bounce around. Sometimes it doesn't pay off. Sometimes it pays off big time. Um, but the fishing has, you know, changed every year. You kind of kind of, val or kind of evaluate based on the conditions. And so I'm looking at, you know, we'll just take the last three years, for example, because every year has been different. Three years ago, um, we had, you know, kind of your average winter, some snow, average temperatures, all that's kind of normal. And so what we found these fish doing, we found them where we'd expect around some of these reefs. You know, we fished a lot of, maybe it was a point off the end of a point where it kind of transitioned to rock. 
maybe up on top of these reefs as it gets later in the dark, but fishing a lot around some of that structure, which there's quite a bit of that up there. I'm just kind of trying to find those sweet spots, trying to find the spot of the spots around these. Maybe it's, like I said, the very tip of that point. Maybe it's an inside turn. Uh, maybe it's a transition line from rock to sand. And so that's where we found a lot of fish out a little bit deeper um, and then on the edges of some of those. Now, last year, for example, we tried some of those things. And there's one area specifically that my brother and his friend always go to that for the last five years, it's, it's just been good. You know, it's if we're struggling and we need to catch fish, that's where we're going. And they went there and they struggled. And so now we're like, okay, back to the drawing board. And what we ended up finding, we ended up moving up way shallower, you know, and even so, you know, depending on where you're at in Lake of the Woods, kind of the, it drops off, you know, around Park Rapids, you're getting lakes that are 50, 60, 70, 80, 100 feet deep. Lake of the Woods, your deepest depth, maybe 35 feet, your deepest depth, depending on where you're at, maybe 20 feet. And so typically we're out in that 25 to 27 feet as like the deepest point of the lake. And then we're fishing the reefs that are in that area. This time we moved up shallower and moved up where the deepest point was maybe, you know, those deep flats were like 20 to 23 feet. We're fishing some of the reefs around there. And actually I went up on top of these reefs. And last year I had some really cool live scope footage. So I ended up fishing on top of this reef in like 14 feet. And I got there, we, I was just hole hopping all day, trying to figure out a pattern. Wasn't finding much, wasn't finding much, a few perch and saugers, um, which is a pattern that you see just as a side note, these, these um, late, when you get on the deeper flats, you're going to find a lot more perch and a lot more saugers. And one of the video that I just shot, there was some perch that were puking up all these blood worms when I, when I caught them, you know, so they're cruising out in that deep stuff, eating some of that. Uh, but I was actually, it's like, I'm going to go fish a little shallower. I went up on top of this reef in like 14 feet. It was not the very top. The very top was maybe like seven feet, but it was kind of this finger off. So I was up fairly shallow, about, I don't know, 10 to 15 feet shallower than we typically are fishing, um, even though it's the same time of year. And so got up on top of this thing. First night I was catching walleyes and they were aggressive. And I was like, okay, that makes pretty good sense. You know, it's evening time. They're moving up on top of that stuff. But one thing that was kind of intriguing to me is I started seeing these giant marks and they'd come up and stare at my bait, stare at my bait. And it's like, those have to be, you know, on the live scope nowadays, it's pretty impressive what you can tell. I was like, those have to be big pike. And, you know, you can see the fins on the bottom side. So the next day I was like, I'm going to go and I'm going to set up on that spot and I'm going to have some big smelt close by so I can drop that down. So I fit, start away in the morning and I start catching walleyes. Perfect. Awesome. And then I saw another big mark. Didn't want anything to do with any of mine. I dropped this smelt down. And as soon as I dropped that smelt down, this big pike just smokes it, you know? And so I kept that smelt down, caught two, three more big pike that day. So it's so cool to be able to catch these walleyes, aggressive walleyes up shallow, mixing with these big pike was pretty darn fun. And again, something that we didn't, we've never fished that area before period, but it was just a different year. So we're like, well, we got to go back to the drawing board, even though my dad's been there for 20 years or more. I've been there for the last, you know, 10 years not the same you know every year is so very different so that was last year now again conditions changed this year we get out there this year thinking i was like i'm gonna go back to that shallow spot maybe those pike are always there those walleyes are always there because we just haven't fished it so i go there um actually they had been there first when i wasn't able to be up there quite yet and they didn't have a lot of luck so um but i went there and i heart i mean i caught a couple walleyes but hardly marked many fish it was only like early, early and late, late that I was seeing fish there. So I was like, well, I'm going to scrap that. 
And so then I went back and I started looking towards some of that little bit deeper stuff and towards some of that edges of those structure, kind of like we've fished in the past. And, you know, one of the things that we've noticed is this year, more than ever, the water clarity was so very different. It was so much clearer water. You know, you think of Lake of the Woods, you're thinking of that kind of stained water. And oh, yeah. that's kind, yeah, of, for sure. kind of what Lake of the Woods is famous for, you know, it's, you know, that's part of the reason why you can have awesome bites from 11 to 2. You know, some of your best bites sometimes are midday, which is one of the allures to Lake of the Woods. Who wouldn't like to go sit out in Nice Castle, watch a football game and catch a bunch of walleyes, you know? And so this year, water clarity was so clear. Um, we know we all noticed that right away. In fact, a couple times I dropped my camera down just to try to get some underwater footage. And I was sitting in, you know, maybe 18 feet of water, 20 feet of water. And I could see clear as day, um, given now this wasn't close to dark, but I could still see clear as day. So that was really unique. So, you know, what we noticed this year with that clear water, it started to act more like you would expect. You, you, we started getting more, the walleye bites were, were definitely more in these bite windows, your early morning bite and your late evening bite. You know, you're maybe able to pick off some fish here and there, especially out in the deeper mud. Um, but it was definitely more get close to that structure, get set up in that prime time. That way, when those fish cruise in on that prime chair, they're going to be aggressive and they're going to be ready to eat, but these bite windows are going to be much smaller. And so truthfully, if you wanted to be efficient, you could go out early, come back, take a nap, eat some lunch, go back out for the evening, kind of like you do even around here sometimes, but I can't do that. I need to be fishing. If I have a chance to fish, I'm going to fish. Um, midday wasn't anything great for me, but one of the best spots that I fished this weekend, uh, or not this weekend, but when I was up there was, again, structure. On a spot on the spot, found this tight little inside turn, transition from rock to sand, and then on the other side, there was some more rock, and that thing just funneled these fish in. So, yeah, back to some of that deep water, you know, deeper during the day, shallower during the night, which is about typically what you'd expect, uh, but that clearer water definitely kind of shortens some of those bite windows. So, yeah, long-winded answer to talk about oh, I love it. and just a ton of stuff going on up there, uh, but that's kind of what we've experienced over the last few years. Um, and even again, every year you got to adapt and every day you have to adapt sometimes. There's yeah. Like I have so many questions. We won't even get to it all because I'd have to have you on the line for like four hours, but right there kind of towards the end, when you were talking about bite windows, I kind of want to live in that pocket here for a little bit because I find that to be fascinating, interesting, something we can all learn from, you know, cause bite windows, you know, when people are talking about bite windows, that conversation can be, you know, kind of as small as, you know, trying to identify specific, you know, minute by minute bite windows and why and where, and that whole spot on the spot, it kind of puts a lot of pressure, you know, puts a lot of pressure on, on, you know, somebody that's like, you know, you're, you're traveling somewhere, it's this adventurous trip and, but you're, you know, you got to have a strategy, I feel like, or I feel like I like talking about strategy when you're approaching something that's bite window oriented, you know, kind of from a big picture standpoint, like when you're, you know, when you're just strategizing and what do you feel like are some, maybe some tactics, just some mindset, you know, maybe it's just some of your preparation efficiencies. What are some of the you know, recommendations or just like, like what's your story when it comes to like strategizing for tighter and tighter bite windows? Yeah, you bet. And you know, how I approach this sometimes on Lake of the Woods might be different than how I approach this maybe on maybe my home body's water or some deeper, clear lakes like we have around a lot of kind of the North central part of Minnesota. 
Um, but there's going to be some things that I do no matter where I'm at that are very helpful. And, you know, I, I talk about this a little bit in my video, but one of the things that I do a lot is when I want, when I know I'm going to be in an area, maybe I have an area that I have confidence because I fished it in the past, or maybe there's just an area that just looks sweet. Maybe it's like, okay, this is, you know, sometimes you can look at a piece of structure and you know, like, that's the spot. Like, that's where I'm going to set up in the evening. There might not be fish there right now, but this is where I'm going to set up. And so what I do a lot of times is I will try to get out and maybe I'll be out midday. And I know the walleye bite's not going to start for a little while. So a lot of times I will honestly set up my house. That's what I did this weekend. It's like, okay, I know where I want to fish. I'm going to set up my house during this maybe not so great bite window. I'm just going to leave it set up. So all I need to do, come in, turn on the heater and I'm rolling. You know, I want to maximize that time. You know, you could also just get back there earlier, but I wanted to go explore a little bit. And I know my bite window, maybe at, maybe the regular bite window is right in that last hour. Probably going to be closer to having a bite window at three o'clock than maybe at noon. So I'm going to set up those at noon and then go bounce around instead of bouncing around, get there at three and set up the set up the house because there could be fish starting to move in. Um, so one of the things that I always do, and you know, we talked a little bit is drill those holes first. Um, you know, for me, I love drilling holes on what I would consider some of the sweet spots and that would be maybe inside turns. Maybe that would be saddles. Maybe that would be steep breaks. Sometimes it's on top of a secondary point. You know, I, I think I actually have a video where I talk about how to break down structure in the winter. Um, so I set up on those sweet spots. Sometimes I'll also just drill blind, but a lot of times what I'll do is I'll drill from deep to shallow. So that's kind of what I do, um, you know, in this last weekend, there was one sweet spot. It was an inside turn. And I was like, looking at this piece of structure. And I was like, if fish are going to be out here, this is where they're going to be. So I had a lot of confidence. So I literally just set up my house there. And then I went out and I explored, you know, I went out to some of the deep mud flats. I went out some of that, that these fish are cruising throughout the day. Now with live scope, with live imaging, with forward facing sonar, it's incredible. The things that you learn. It is a whole world down there. You know, I fished up there for years and now I'm going around these deep areas and I'm just panning around and I'm seeing fish just kind of belly to the bottom, just roaming over all those deep flats. See, and a lot of times there's saugers or perch, um, but there'll be walleyes mixing over there too. I'm seeing big old pike suspended. You know, I had a few different pike chase me that were maybe I was in 25 feet of water and they were down 10 feet and I could eventually get close enough to them to get them to chase or whatever. Um, you know, there's Cisco, there's, sometimes schools of crappies moving through up there and they're all suspended. So it just opens up this whole water column that you don't even see when you can pan around, you know, a hundred feet. So I did that during the day, go explore, find some stuff, see if I can pick off some fish midday. Sometimes that'll pan off. Last year I was doing that and I caught a nice 27 incher out just kind of roaming. This fish was actually suspended. I dropped down, got to it, um, was able to catch it. So that's one thing is to get your holes drilled and potentially the house set up first the other thing is um, to get your rods set up you know making sure it's very easy to go out especially if you're going to be hole hopping say if i'm going to go to this piece of structure and i'm just going to hole hop until i find fish to have one jig and spoon and your life is good you know but then like you said all of a sudden you break off all of a sudden something happens a line gets twisted a pipe comes through now you're in trouble. So I at least have two or three jigging spoons. I'll have one, maybe two dead sticks. Sometimes they might not be right next to me. Sometimes they'll be at the house. Sometimes they'll be on my snowmobile. Um, but I like to have my rod set up first instead of trying to change things out. Or even if I want a different presentation, a lot of times I will wait, you know, I'll maybe use something 
um, up on Lake Illawarra is more brightly colored during the daytime. And as it gets closer to dark, I'll switch to a glow. So having both of those there and ready to go, or maybe something with some noise, like a rattle bait right away, and then switching to, um, you know, something with some glow. So getting those rods set up ahead of time, so you're not fumbling with that. Because like you said, within a minute, that's where all of a sudden that 30 incher could swim through. You never know when you're up there. You could be filtering through 12 inches for the last hour and you could easily catch a 30 incher, even on those deep mud flats. Um, so that's some, another little tidbit to say like, hey, when you're around that structure, do that. Um, and the other thing that not enough people do, and I feel like I'm guilty of this sometimes too, especially with like the forward facing sonar and always wanting to be on the move is not utilizing both lines. You know, if I'm going to be fishing a piece of structure, say I have 50 holes drilled on this piece of structure, I still will always try to always set, you know, maybe a finicky fool or some sort of tip up. Use that other line because it's so, it's not, I shouldn't say surprising because it's not that surprising, but so often you take that extra minute to set that up and that could be the difference between catching the biggest fish of the night or not. So using both lines or even when you're in the house utilizing both lines. I like to go with my jig and spoon and I have a dead stick. That's a super common technique up there and honestly anywhere. Um, but I always will have one of those, you know, I'll use a lot of times tungsten jig with a minnow and my active bait, maybe it's a jig and spoon, maybe it's a rip and wrap, whatever it is, I'll have both of those and having, using both lines, because sometimes these fish will come through in a flurry. You'll have three, four, five fish down there. If you're only using one line, you can catch one, maybe two where now you can double that. If you get both lines and get them up and down quickly, I have some footage from previous years where I'm catching one, reeling one fish on my jig and spoon. And then all of a sudden my dead stick is starting to go down because another fish is, is uh, taking that one. So using both lines. And then the other thing is to read your electronics. Here's a really interesting tidbit. This actually I learned from my buddy Colt while I was over in going to school in Grand Rapids. Um, what I, what I do is I'll watch, I start out deeper, like I said, and I'm going to read my electronics. One thing you'll notice on these, on this piece of structure a lot of times is you'll first see bait. If you're seeing bait, you know you're kind of in the right area because you'll see that bait. Once that bait starts to move, sometimes it'll still be around, but that's when the walleye will start cruising through. And a lot of times this bait starts to move shallower and you're moving closer to that structure, getting kind of pushed by those walleyes. So you know, back in the flasher days, you would see the bait and all of a sudden these thicker red marks would come through. Sometimes I'll set my tip up, up a little bit in the hole shallower. So say I'm fishing a brake line or fishing an inside turn or whatever it is, I'm going to set my tip up, up a little bit shallower. I'm going to be fishing a little deeper. That bait moves through. I catch a couple walleyes and now all of a sudden I'm not seeing fish. Now, if I were to move to that next hole, I'd probably start seeing that bait, maybe even seeing those fish because that stuff is just continuing to move shallower. In the meantime, my tip up might go off once those fish are cleared through because that might be the next hole they're moving through. So I'm just going to continue to leapfrog shallower and shallower and follow that where it goes from bait to the walleyes, bait to the walleyes. And that will kind of go for that last half hour, hour of daylight, even on these deep clear lakes. It's kind of following that transition of those fish up. And if you have those holes pre-drilled, obviously that's going to just maximize your time. The fish aren't going to spook. And you're going to be much easier uh, to be able to move much easier and much more efficiently getting onto those fish. And the other thing is this year, especially I, it's, it's, it seems very counterintuitive, but I, you know, I have my, my Norfin boots have cleats on the bottom. So those are awesome for this time of year or where a lot of times this year when there's no snow, 
but I actually take those off. Or if I'm wearing ice cleats, I will take them off because even in 20 feet of water, 25 feet of water, I notice when I'm moving from hole to hole like that, if I'm starting to move up shallower, those fish can honestly spook because of that. When you have shallow, no snow on the ice like this, um, ice isn't quite as thick. Those, so that's another little tip is when you're talking about like bite windows, maximizing those things, anything you can do not to spook those fish um, is gonna be key. So taking off your ice cleats, flipping it, if you have cleats built into your boots, flipping in some of those, um, that way it's not gonna make any bit of that noise, you know? And same, same thing, a lot of times with my live scope, I'm pulling around the sled because it's heavy you know, and I want to be able to be quick. So being able to switch to maybe a flasher so you can go quicker and go from hole to hole like that. So there's just a few things that you can do to kind of maximize um, some of those shorter bike windows, even like we experienced, which doesn't normally happen on Lake of the Woods. Um, but like I said, this, this time I had a spot on the spot that I looked at this and I was like, this is going to be the spot. If it's not going on this spot, it's not going. So I was able to kind of pinpoint that and Luckily, it paid off, you know, and with enough experience around some of that kind of stuff, you can kind of pick some of those things out. Tell me about, like, nicer fish on Lake of the Woods, like, you know, the size structure out there. I think a lot of people that, you know, you know can relate or understand that Lake of the Woods is a walleye factory and, and sauger. I mean, but... It, it it there's so many small fish out there they can kind of lull you to sleep in certain situations certain type of spots um you know and and uh, you know even myself i don't have a ton of experience on lake of the woods and you know most of my experience on lake of the woods is literally going there to work and like be a videographer you know i'm just like more of a witness to it than personal experience so i guess you know i'm just curious for you what are some tips and tricks? What's some perspective? What are just some thoughts, uh, you know, in your experience on Lake of the Woods to try to target bigger fish and not get caught up in all the small fish that are out there? Yeah, this is a pretty common thing, um, pretty common question that I get asked. And, you know, there are some general rules of thumb that I find to be true. That doesn't mean necessarily everyone's going to agree with them. But in my, you know, 30 years of experience fishing Lake of the Woods, um, there's some rules of thumb. Uh, one of the things I will say is no matter where you're at on that lake, you have a chance of catching big fish. You know, I've been fishing the deep flats just because we want to get action. And all of a sudden you have a stud just move through. And you see that all the time in these resorts. They're out in these flats and, you know, especially towards the eastern side of the lake. That's really all there is. So you have a, maybe a, if you're going to that eastern side, you have a higher chance. If you're fishing the flats, like kind of in the masses, you have a higher chance of maybe catching some of those bigger fish because there isn't anything else for them to go to, you know, another, so I, I'll talk about structure here in a little bit because that's my go-to. One thing I did want to mention before I get to that, if you're talking like, you know, 20 plus inches, even 25 plus inches, one pretty common theme that's been on, on Lake of the Woods is, you know, during the day fish, even on those deep flats, you know, this might be a mile, like multiple miles that you're moving. You can fish those deep flats, maybe say 26 feet, and then you move up into 17 feet in the evening, just for that last half hour. Sometimes those big walleyes will cruise up in the, some of those shallows um, towards that evening. So that's one thing you can try if you're like, I, we, we have our limit. I just want to try to catch a big fish, you know, or I'm not really, I, can, I don't want to catch 112 inch saugers. Like I want to try, you know, fishing shallower on some of those flats can be a thing that you can definitely do, but your numbers are going to go way down. Um, but I tend to lean towards structure, you know, even in, in uh, the video that I'm just going to be posting here shortly, um, you know, there's some guys fishing out a little deeper. They maybe caught a few more, although I had some pretty good action that night. 
Um, but the average size of my fish and I had multiple fish in the kind of that mid twenties range and, you know, 16, 17, 18 inchers. Um, so some great eaters. And that was just in one evening, you know, so when I find, when I'm closer to structure, I'm getting a better size eaters, you know, instead of maybe 13, 14, 15 inches, I maybe get 15, 16, 17 inches. Yeah. I feel like the average size in general around structure is better. With that being said, your bite windows are smaller. Average size is better, bite windows are smaller. So you kind of got to pick your poison. For me, I like to, you know, I will sacrifice the size or the numbers for the size just because that's my personality. And so I might get less bites, but I'm going to try to target some of the bigger fish in the lake. And, you know, so if you want to get the best of both worlds is go out, try to find, bounce around some of that deep stuff during the day. Um, you know, one little caveat that I should say is, but I'm saying deep, you know, for me personally, I'm not fishing much over 30 feet um, because I know bear trauma is a hot topic right now. And I know there's still a lot to be learned on that. And that could be a whole nother tangent. Oh yeah. Um, but for me, there's, this is just anecdotal level evidence, but I know for a fact that when I fished deeper like that, even in this last video, some of the perch and saugers that I caught, they had their swim bladders um, up in their mouths and they're just not surviving. So I kept them to eat, you know, where that's so when I, and that was in like 28 feet, that wasn't even in 30 plus feet. Um, and so that's one thing to be mindful of, be mindful of how deep you're fishing and how many fish you're keeping and what you're releasing and all that. So when I say moving out deeper, that's what I'm talking about is moving off the structure a little bit. Um, and then in those prime time windows, moving on top of that structure, um, is some of my, some of my favorite things, uh, to do to target some of those bigger fish. Yeah, dude. I think that's, I think that's great stuff. Great recommendations. I think that Lake of the Woods is so diverse. Like I love the recap of it. We've talked about that before on past podcasts with you, but I like including that. And it's one of the most popular like sort of topics or, or things, you know, piece of information I've ever gotten from you is just kind of your overlay of, you know, the greater, the bigger picture of Lake of the Woods and talking about the Northwest angle, talking about that Northern, uh, you know, tier of Lake of the Woods. It's definitely probably for the more adventurous spirit or somebody that's got some battle-tested experience in their gear and stuff, and they're looking for a little different type of Lake of the Woods, you know, experience um, where, you know, you know, pick a different section of the lake and break it down, and it's so diverse in that way. You know, the the recap on the lake trout stuff, always good. Lake trout, is that's an, an exciting thing should be on any lake trout opportunity. I'm not even being specific to one, but a lake trout opportunity through the ice should be on people's bucket list if they've never done it before. But the lake of the lake of the woods updates. I love it. All the real time information, great recommendations, great info, man, just the whole shebang, man. Thank you so much for that. And uh, we'll wrap it up. If, uh, you know, in any other way, anything that comes to mind, you can add otherwise, um, let people know where they can find you, promote your content, or any anything you want to wrap up there. Go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, you know, when we're talking specifically like the wood stuff, um, I, I know I mentioned I don't know, last year, two years ago, whenever we did that, the first series on Lake of the Woods. You know, I do have a couple different video series on Lake of the Woods, like Lake of the Woods One Hundred and One. It just gives us huge, ton more visuals and stuff. Um, so if you have questions, go check out those videos feel free to reach out to me as well. But that's something um, that I highly recommend. I've gotten a lot of good feedback. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have never been to Lake of the Woods before. And 
now this makes it so much easier for me. And it's funny, literally, um, I think it was like last night or the night before, you know, that video is a year, two years old. And I had someone comment on that video, like, Hey, you know, what do you, what are your thoughts on, uh, this year, you know, with the different conditions. And I said, I commented back, I said, actually, I'm gonna be hopping on a podcast tonight and I have more videos coming up. So make sure you check those out. So it's, it's always funny, you know, just seeing, I don't know, those videos are a couple years old, but there's still so much valuable information. And, you know, if you're wanting like the most current up to date, I, it should be either tonight or tomorrow morning, I'm finishing up uh, the first of the videos from uh, Lake in the Woods here. So that'll be up on my channel and that'll give a ton of the information, kind of detailing exactly what I do and what I was looking for on this structure and kind of what I did during the day, what I did, where I was trying during the day and kind of where I was trying in those low light periods. But that's all gonna be on my um, YouTube channel, uh, TJ's Guide Service. And this is another little caveat that I should probably mention. I don't know when I'm gonna do this. You know, I we talked before, like I'm actually not gonna be guiding moving forward this summer. I'm just gonna be going hard into the content. And so that's gonna be a little bit of a change. So now I'm trying to figure out like, I need to maybe change some of my name. So if you start seeing TJ Erickson or TJ Erickson Fishing, something like that, instead of TJ's Guide Service, still the same thing, uh, but that might be coming coming down the chute here as well. But that's, that's the best place to find that is on, um, YouTube there. Otherwise, if you're looking to like reach out, ask questions, Instagram, um, it's probably the best place. That's TJ's guide service as well. Feel free to send me a message. Um, love chatting with people there. I'm also on Facebook, uh, TJ's guide service there as well. I have people messaging me every day on that kind of stuff. And, you know, I'll do my best to get back as quickly as possible. Sometimes life happens and it doesn't happen right away, but, um, I always try to get back. Same thing with like comments on YouTube. I'm always trying to do my very best to get back to people. Um, period and then in a timely manner so that that way people have the information they're looking for so feel free to reach out at any point i love talking fishing um love doing all that stuff and i'm always willing to help that's it brother that's it we've uh we've been on the phone long enough and i appreciate your time always i know it's uh 